Captain Rosback is a serial entrepreneur, world explorer and inventor and founder of Hydro Flask. He has spent the last 3 decades enhancing his entrepreneurial skills. And throughout the years, Mr. Rosback has been proud to invent and found Hydro Flask apart from working as a business broker, fly as an airline pilot and is also an active professional speaker and started the Tumalo group providing sourcing advising and consulting in today's episode let us chat with travis rosback and understand his entrepreneurial journey and the journey of inventing hydroflask this is the guiding voice podcasts the guiding voice for a better future friends i am your host navin samala just a fellow professional on a mission to make the world a better place to live through the guiding voice we drive conversations that matter conversations that add value to your life and to your career thank you so much for tuning in and travis hearty welcome to the guiding voice i'm super excited to have you today oh navin thank you so much for having me it's a pleasure to be here all right so pleasure to have you and let's uh, get started travis maybe you can share the top 3 things that have attributed to your success so far i would say the top 3 things that have attributed to my success so far would be curiosity i think that has been a big one um i've i've tried to be humble <laughs> <laughs> if i can say that <laughs> maybe it's not very <laughs> humble to say that but I I've been be, between curious and humble. Maybe that's that's kind of the same thing though is I I I'm I'm humble enough to to recognize when I'm not the smartest person in the room and ask yeah. a lot of questions. And I've been very tenacious. I would say determination is another big one and mm. not giving up even when it gets difficult. And then um and then creative also. I, and and maybe that goes a little bit back to the the curiosity, but Yeah, you know, a lot of times throughout my my life and throughout my careers and my my life's path things haven't worked out and so I've had to become creative in in finding new solutions and new opportunities and new ways to look at things. Hmm. Curiosity, humble, tenacious, determination and creative. I think these are the must have traits for any successful entrepreneur. That's what I I can say and uh, Captain Rosback let's also talk about the toughest lessons that you have learned in your entrepreneurial journey and mainly i'm interested in certain things which we haven't anticipated okay saying that when we take a plunge into entrepreneurship we get into we we get into it with certain mindset hoping that things will be positive but all of a sudden once you get into it you'll start exploring some impediments roadblocks and which will be acting as a learning blocks from there on right so what are those toughest lessons that you have learned well i i would say that some of the toughest lessons are that not everybody believes in you at all times you know and and it's one thing to have the general public you know like walking down the street and somebody doesn't believe in you but when your friends and family don't believe in you i think that is 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 very difficult um you know those are the ones that are supposed to be here for us quote unquote but oftentimes you know siblings are siblings and they're not always here for you they like to throw dirt at you and so i i think that um 
having such a strong determination and such a strong belief and a faith that something's going to work and just knowing that it's going to work and then having outside noise and, and just kind of static telling you that maybe you're not on the right path. Maybe this isn't such a good idea. I, I think that can be very challenging at times because, um, you know, it's, it's a bit lonely being an entrepreneur. There's, there's times where not everybody is on your side and not everybody's raising their hand to help. And, and you're having to, you know, break your back and put in long hours and, and sleepless nights and miss holidays and miss weekends and things like that. Um, so that, that was, that was a big challenge was um, just kind of overcoming. And then also the industry experts, quote unquote, right. The people who are are in the game and they say, no, 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 this isn't, you know, you're not right. Or this isn't the, you know, you're not cut out for it, or this isn't going to work, or you don't know what you're doing. That's always difficult being at the factories in China and, you know, have you know, investing hundreds and thousands and then eventually millions of dollars into a project and then having the quote unquote experts tell you, oh, that's stupid. <laughs> that, that, that hurt. <laughs> But, you know, back to the tenacious thing, you know, you just got to, you know, bowl on through it. Mm. I, I can resonate with certain things. People may not believe, people may not trust us once we think about a particular idea. They think, okay, he's going mad. And uh, unless we start seeing some results, they are at observing from certain distance, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And then when success comes, they're always the first one that they're like, oh, hey, I, I was there. I was the one who told you. you could do it. I was the one who helped I was the one lifting the, you know, you owe me. And it's like, oh, man. Yeah, come on now. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I can resonate with you. And now let's talk about your invention journey, like uh, Hydro Flask. How and why did you invent it? What was the burning problem that you tried to solve? Uh, you know, quite honestly, maybe I, I was thirsty and I was <laughs> tired of, I lived in Hawaii on the beach and I was tired of having plastic single use water bottles wash up on the shore. And mm. when I first got to the beach and, and, and moved out to the beach. It was actually kind of fun. You know, I felt like an eco warrior out there picking up garbage every morning. And, and then eventually it became very tiresome and then worrisome and then downright frightening how much plastic was washing up. And I, I owned a, a sign and screen printing company in Oahu, Oahu Signs and Screen Printing. And I was out running errands and I was thirsty. And I was like, I'm not getting mm. more single use water bottles. I saw yeah. a uh, sporting goods store and I was just mm. like, oh, I'm just going to pop in and pick up a, a water bottle. And I, I went in and there were no more water bottles and this stuff called BPA had just come out yeah. in Europe and the owner is a precautionary measure. She decided to pull all the water bottles from the shelves. And mm -hmm. I asked the staff, I'm like, well, who's going to fill up this wall? There was this massive wall where the water bottles used to be and there were none on the shelves. And they said, nobody, nobody's doing water bottles. Boom, it just hit me in the back of the head, came out my mouth. I will, I will do this. And, you know, of course the guy laughed at me, but I saw the future and I had my, I had a very clear vision of me standing up on stage about 10 years in the future, talking about this highly successful water bottle company. And I was like, I'm doing it. So that's kind of how it all started. And then there were multiple like 
as, as much. And then after that, I tried to kind of not do that. <laughs> I was like, well, mm. I, got a, I got a sign company. It's going really well. You know, I got this big lease and I've got all this equipment and all these employees. I can't go do water bottles. And the more I tried to resist it at that point, the more it just was like, yes, Travis, you're doing water bottles. Mm. So I ended up doing water bottles. Awesome. And, and by any chance, do you have any sample bottle to show it to our audience? Um, yeah. You want me to show you some of the OG ones? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah hold on one sec. Yeah, sure. So th these were the original, the, the, this isn't the, the very first one, but this is the first oh, uh, wow. narrow mouth shaped bottle. Mm. And uh, 20, this is a 24 ounce. We had 18 and 24 ounce bottles. Mm. Mm. The, the, uh, the it, it looks uh, elegant. It looks elegant and, and it is eco-friendly. I think uh, kudos to you for taking up that mission. In fact, uh, yesterday I happened to watch a movie Okay, which was uh, made in one of the South Indian languages. And uh, it also spoke about the volumes, about the uh, water bottles and the kind of uh, uh, negative impact it is going to cause to the earth. And day before yesterday, I spoke to a person who is again trying to save water and save the entire environment. So uh, I think... Uh, Nature has plans to us, right, uh, in, in terms of connecting these three things. And I'm so fortunate uh, to have this conversation. In fact, I could relate it so well. And uh, I congratulate you on taking up this mission. And definitely it is going to add a lot of value. And in, in fact, we have to do our bit in terms of conserving Mother Nature. So kudos to you, Travis. And oh, thank, uh, you. thank you. Yeah. Let's let's move ahead. And I'm also curious to know, did you invent anything else before Hydroflask? Well, no. I, I had no other patents before Hydroflask. I was a commercial airline pilot. I was a boat captain. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I traveled all over the world doing, uh, air, you know, flying helicopters and airplanes and, and, and captaining boats and being a first mate or whatever it was on, on different vessels. And I think from a very young age, my mom likes to tell the story that I would invent like toys and I would invent things and I would say, hey, why don't we have this or why doesn't it work this way or that way? And then mm -hmm. sure enough, within six months or a year or two years, that toy would come out and she'd be like, that was your idea, you know, but, but no patents prior to Hydroflask, no. Mm, awesome. Yeah, I, I think uh, so. First one turned out to be a hit, which rarely happens because uh, I've seen many entrepreneurs maybe failing in their first few attempts with different products and getting the, the taste of success with uh, probably third, fourth, or fifth or so on. Right. So I think, yeah, um, yeah you're, you're in a way, uh, you're very determined that says it all. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I had other businesses that had various levels mm -hmm. of success. I had a fence company in the, in the aforementioned uh, sign and banner embroidery, you know, kind of agency in Hawaii had a mm -hmm. real estate company. And, you know, some of those did very well and, and some of them did just okay. But yeah, um, Hydro Flask, it, it's still going strong. So that's cool. Awesome. Awesome. Now let's move ahead and talk about how you turn this eleven thousand or the eleven k dollar business into a billion dollar brand. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it, you know, I was, I was, um, I was always interested in guerrilla marketing and how, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. We, as, as you know, $11,000 isn't very much to start a company, but it was all that we really needed. You know, we got samples and the samples worked. And so mm-hmm. we placed the first MOQ, minimum order quantity. We, we placed mm-hmm. that order and we, we maxed out our credit cards. I had a partner at that time. We maxed out our credit cards and friends and family and all of the money we could, you know, beg, borrow and, and, and borrow again. And, <laughs> um, and, and then a lot of stickers, T-shirts, hats, you know, ancillary products besides the 20 and $25 back then water bottles. And so we kind of, I, I focused on us building the brand and, and mm-hmm. spreading the brand message that we're, you know, we're just normal people. We're not a big corporation. We don't have billions of dollars behind us. We're not doing anything mm-hmm. nefarious. We're, we're in this for the right, you know, reasons. And I think mm-hmm. people can really relate to that. And then also a big part of it was we were first to market and that wow. was um, huge, you know, and, and a lot of, a lot of the experts will tell you that the first to market doesn't typically profit or, or prosper from a, a new product. And, and we were kind of the outliers in the fact that uh, we did quite well with being the first to market. And then everyone else was just kind of jumping on the double wall vacuum insulated bandwagon with us. So. Hmm. So, so now if you look back in the hindsight, you have, uh, build the brand and uh, if you look at your current growth rate i think it is over 600 percent per year right so what is life like and as a, like as an entrepreneur growing at 600 percent per year how does it feel yeah we were going 600 percent a quarter <laughs> oh was, wow it, was, it, it reminded me a lot of um when i was a a, a jet pilot i i flew uh jet charters and mm-hmm. We would do these short field takeoffs where we drop the flaps and rev the power up and we get cleared up to 25,000 or 30,000 feet and we'd release the brakes and just pop up like a rocket ship. And you, you really have to pay attention because there's a lot of moving pieces and a lot of moving parts and a lot of people yelling at you and telling you, you know, what to do and what not to do. And there's a lot of engine gauges and things like that. And, you know, you got to be careful or else the wheels will fall off. And, and that was kind of, you know, kind of an analogy for Hydroflask when we were picking up all these big accounts and we had all these celebrities endorsing us and, and, and we were kind of in the early days of influencer marketing and these influencers are coming in and through and, um, you know, my goals were being met for Hydroflask. We were getting into this, you know, big companies and big corporations and the government and international accounts were coming in and, um, it was, there was a lot of sleepless nights, but, um, it was fueled by adrenaline. You know, I think more than anything else, I, I didn't want to sleep. I wanted to be at the office. I wanted to be on the far side of the world at the factory or at the, you know, opening of some big, you know, museum or trade show or wherever I was, you know, slanging water bottles. I just, I absolutely loved it because I was hydrating the masses, you know, I'm helping people feel yeah. better. And I, I, we started to get the testimonies, uh, the testimonial letters were coming in and the testimonies were, 
off the charts. I mean, people were feeling better and they're physically better, mentally more clear because they're hydrated for the first time in, in a long time, if not their whole lives. And, and people stopped drinking as much pop or, or coffee or beer or alcohol, and they started drinking more water. And, and when that happened, they, they realized, wow, this is this bottle that I'm carrying around. And then, and then it became, you know, one of the very first everyday carry items that people mm. Keys, wallet, sunglasses, and water bottle. <laughs> so that was that was just awesome. Mm, awesome. So now let's flip the coin and talk about some of the hard times that you have in, encountered. Because people always see the rosy side of an entrepreneur, but we rarely get a chance to see what happened behind the scenes and what kind of hardships you have gone. How you have overcome those hard times, right? So can you share those things? Yeah, there were, <laughs> we could go on for hours about the hardships. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one of the biggest um, surprising hardships or hard times that we faced and, and encountered was when we started to do really well and we had a lot of sales which, you know, if you have a product and it doesn't sell, you're going to go out of business. Or if you have a service and you don't sell your service, you're going out of business. The, like you said, like flipping the coin on the other side of that is if you sell too much, you could also go out of business because you need to pay for those products. And so we'd have to pay for the bottles sometimes six months before we would actually get paid for the bottles. And, you know, when we did 3000 bottles, yeah, it wasn't a big deal, but when we started doing 40,000 bottles a month, it became a really big deal because we had to pony up that cash. We had to pay for it. We had to get the money over to the factory. They had to make the bottles. They had to package them. They had to ship them across the pond. We'd get them, we'd ship them across the country. They'd receive them. They'd put them into inventory. They'd sell them net 30, net 60, some even times net 90. And then finally, we would get paid. And so that, that cash became very, very uh, crucial. It was the lifeblood of the company. And, um, and then also, the bigger you get, the more employees you need. And as much as I you know, enjoy having employees, it, it can be expensive and it can be challenging. And um, so that, just, just making sure that the employees had their money and the factories had their money was, was always a challenge, but, um, we overcame it by growth, you know, more mm. sales was more, um, attention and we had more people looking at us and then people started to come in. And even though we we're, you know, about 2008, 2009, 2010, when the economy wasn't doing great, we were, we were selling a lot of water bottles. And so luckily, fortunately people came in and said, Hey, can we invest? And uh, yes, yes, please. <laughs> so that, that kept us afloat and kept us going and then eventually led to even greater growth. Mm. That's, that's so inspiring. And it is always uh, good to hear from the forces more directly. And it is so inspiring and enriching conversation. And let me move ahead with my next question, and which generally pops in every but who wants or who is an aspiring entrepreneur, like they feel like they need to have an MBA, right, to start a business. But do you feel 
a MBA is necessary to start a business. I didn't even know what the letters MBA stood for. <laughs> in fact, I was, I was kind of a funny qu- uh, story. I was out at uh, out in New York at the MBA headquarters, and um, the I was with one of the sales reps, and he mentioned that he had an MBA, and I said, "No, no, no, it's MBA." And he says, "No, it's MBA." I said, "No, no, no in." We're in the National Basketball Association. I mean, we were in the headquarters. They were basketball players everywhere. MBA it says right there on the wall. He says, no, no, no. I have an MBA. It's like, oh, okay, whatever, dude. And then, and then after the meeting, I had to go back to the hotel and Google to find out what an MBA was. Mm. So um, I personally, I, I think that if you have the capability, if you have the mm. financial time, money, mm. energy, you have the the you know if if the stars align that you can get an MBA, yeah, yes. by all means go get an MBA. I think you can learn a lot of the the language, a lot of the history, a lot of the terminology, a lot of the tick uh, trip, but <laughs> um, the tricks of the trade through the MBA program. But I definitely don't think it's necessary. I mean, like I'm testimony to the fact that it's it's not. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I might be able to spell better or have a better vocabulary if I had, but I'm doing okay without. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're a perfect example. And I've seen many uh, entrepreneurs as well, like who, uh, in fact, uh, have no formal education also, but still they make it big. And it all depends on the idea, depends on your determination, how you want to take it forward and the knack of how to earn money, right? So. I think, uh, yeah, this is great. And uh, I, I think uh, that college, yeah. ca- college can be good and bad depending on yeah. the day after, you know, like I think mm. that if you, if you use college in general to learn how mm. to study and, and learn how to time management and routine and schedule and, and, you know, you have to work hard and you can learn all that with college. And I think that that can be very good. I also think that, and I've seen multitudes of time that if, if you think that when you're done with college, you know, everything that you need to know, and you never go on to learn anymore, that can be very detrimental. I think that college is a good way to learn how to learn, but once you close the door to college, you still need to go on to learn more and you need to know that you don't know what you don't know. And so I, I think that's kind of a slippery slope for folks sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, this has been fabulous conversation, Travis. But uh, let, let's add some spice to the episode. I'm going to kick off a quick rapid fire round so that our audience get to know the other side of Travis. Are you okay. ready? I, I hope so. <laughs> I'm sitting down. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let me fire the first one. What is your favorite childhood memory? A favorite childhood memory, I would say probably when I was 14 and I showed up in the U.S. Virgin Islands and I met my dad for the first time in, and, and I was in just this like tropical paradise. And, and then I met my dad. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And uh, if you could be any animal, what would it be? I would be one of my dogs. My dogs have it so good. 
I mean, I thought I, th- I was just thinking about this yesterday. Like in my next life, I, I would probably come back as one of my animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Such a good life. <laughs> it, it, indeed, especially in the States and in India also, uh, the pet parenting culture is uh, on the rise. In fact, uh, I've been a pet parent for a long time. When I was a kid, of course, I would say pet sibling at that time. Now I've become a pet parent. <laughs> I have a two-year-old Labrador and right now she's not here. But normally she comes and she waves at me. Goes, and I always think, yeah, I think uh, you have to be a pet, pet yeah. dog someday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I always, I always, you know, like, I, I think like, well, what if I come back as an animal next time? So I got to take mm. care of animals now. But then, you know, even besides all that, like, I just, I mm. just love them. And they're, they're part of our family. And yet they're also animals. And we, we keep them, you know, they, they have their place in this world. But man, they have a good life. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So moving to the next question, Travis, one more question here is, can you describe yourself in just one word? I was going to say, wow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's just go. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Super. I I, I loved it. I loved it. (laughs) <laughs> and and what is the weirdest thing that you have ever eaten? The weirdest thing I've ever eaten. Well, I have been to I would say probably in Beijing there's a like this alleyway, this like market where mm. you walk down and they have tarantulas and and mealworms and they have everything. And um, I was with a couple of buddies and sure enough, we walked down and we tried, or at least I and, and one of the other guys, we tried one of every single thing that they sold tarantulas <laughs> and all kinds of crickets and spiders and snakes <laughs> and, you know, things I probably shouldn't have been eating, but it was a once in a lifetime thing. So yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good questions. Maybe. That's awesome. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Moving to the next one. Uh, what is the first thing you notice about someone when you meet them? Wow. Um, I I don't know how to describe this or how to answer it, but I, I know the answer. Basically, I have a, from a very young age, I, I worked as a dive instructor and a dive master. And I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't make a lot of money. And the money that mm-hmm. I did make always came from tips. And, uh, and so I had to, I had to size people up very quickly to know who they are, what kind of demographics they are, what they like, what they dislike, how to speak to them, how to sell to them, their, um, you know, kind of their aura almost, or their karma or their dharma, or their just all of it. Like I had to very quickly ascertain as much information as possible so that when I did start interacting with them, I was on my way to a wonderful, great experience. And then at the end of the two weeks or whatever it was, I would hopefully get enough tip money to pay rent. And and doing sales as much as I have over the years, slanging water bottles on the streets, um, you have to learn pretty quickly how to converse with people, how to negotiate with people, how to read people. And so I kind of narrowed it down to there's only about maybe 
I don't know an exact number, but maybe like seven or eight different personality types and, and, and quirks and traits that people have. And so typically when I see somebody, I can just read their body language. I can read their facial expressions, or at least, you know, hopefully in most of the time, and then boom, how to interact with them. Mm, that's nice. Moving to the last one for the rapid fire. What is one electronic gadget? or a fantasy gadget that you'd like to see or invent yourself? <laughs> I, I'd like to pause time. I'd like to just hit pause and then <laughs> do whatever I want to do. Like I could read a bunch of books or I could travel or I could watch a bunch of YouTube videos to learn or whatever it is, or, you know, get the house painted, whatever it is. If I could just hit pause on daily <laughs> life, and not get any older myself. So I could be paused for an hour or for a year and then get a bunch of stuff done, hit unpause. And then nobody knew I was even paused, but man, the house looks great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did that over the weekend. You know, I think that'd be cool. I'd invest in that. <laughs> yeah, quite an interesting one. And uh, let's flip back to the mainstream, Travis. <laughs> Before I let you go, a couple more questions. Like one is, what is one piece of advice to those aspiring to be a successful entrepreneur? Uh, I do. Do it. Just go try. Yeah. Do not hesitate. Um, you know, hesitation causes pain, I always say. And I think that the world needs more and more entrepreneurs. And I think that we're even going into times that are, we're we're in very uncharted territory right now, and I won't get into the politics of it all, but I do believe that we're going to need entrepreneurs. We're going to need people who have the courage to step forward and produce and to produce jobs and mm. produce products and produce beneficial things that will help the 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 masses at large. And I also really believe in in acting boldly and unseen forces will come to your aid. I, I believe yeah. that if you go towards a goal or a, um, uh, you know, a, if you have a mission and it's very heart centered and it's for humanity and you're, you're doing the right thing for the, the greatest good, I really, truly, honestly believe that unseen forces will come to help you uh, on that mm. path. Absolutely. It is like uh, if your purpose is strong, entire universe will conspire to help you. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, and, and it doesn't always feel like that. And sometimes yeah. it feels like it's conspiring against you, but you mm -hmm. have to shut off those voices and you have to, you have to, you know, acknowledge them, but, but, but quietly have them exit and, and and keep your eyes on the prize and never give up. Like Winston Churchill said, never give up, never, never give up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, here comes my last one. And uh, you can be very blunt and give honest feedback. How was it like being hosted on the Guiding Voice platform? What was your experience? Oh, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's been great. Yeah, no, I appreciate the the rapid fire questions and and I appreciate getting off the topic of just entrepreneurship and asking yeah. me personal questions. And I think it's 
I think it's really neat because reading books, you only get what the author tells you, but to have an outside voice come in and just kind of like parachute in to ask a bunch of questions that maybe don't really pertain to the book, but they are questions that everybody has. I think that's awesome. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. This is why I like listening to your shows because I never know what I'm going to get. And it's great to hear so many different people's feedback. And just sometimes, you know, sometimes with some guests, I'm like, okay, okay, okay. And then you ask them a question and they give this answer. I'm like, whoa, that's a great answer. That's really cool. I'm going to follow you on LinkedIn or yeah, it's been been great. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Pleasure to host you. And uh, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, thank you for all the insights and, Thanks for spending time with me. It's been amazing show. Uh, and thanks again. Pleasure to host you, uh, Travis. Thank you, Naveen. It's been an honor to be here. All right. So that was our episode with uh, Travis Rosback. And friends, before we move into the trivia section, here is a request to you. In case if you haven't subscribed to us, please subscribe from the app wherever you have tuned in from. Also, if you are listening to this show on Apple Podcast or Spotify, please follow and feel free to leave a rating and review so that it can reach wider audience. Not only that, if you have loved this episode and found the conversation useful, please feel free to share with at least three of your friends or colleagues who can benefit from the guiding voice. Thank you so much in advance. Now let's hop into the trivia segment. Having spoke to an inventor, I thought I'll present you a trivia about tea bags because tea bags were not something which were invented intentionally rather they were invented accidentally in 1904 the inventor thomas sullivan decided that it was cheaper to send small samples to potential customers in silk bags instead of boxes And the recipients believed they were meant to be dunked. And soon Sullivan was flooded with orders for his tea bags. So that's how entrepreneurship happens at times. And we never know how things will turn positively. That's the story I would like to share. And if you have come across any interesting entrepreneurial journey of a powerful entrepreneur, or if you have come across a any interesting product which was invented accidentally, please feel free to comment on social media platforms wherever you have found this episode or if you are watching it on YouTube, just leave your comments under the video. That's all for today. Thank you so much for joining me, friends. And do not forget to share your topic recommendations as well as guest speaker suggestions through social media or email me at theguidingvoiceforyou at gmail.com. I'm your host, Navin Samala. Just a fellow IT professional and a passionate learner on a mission to make the world a better place to live through the conversations that matter and conversations that add value to your life and to your career. I'm signing off for today. Until next time, bye-bye. See you all in the next episode with another wonderful guest.